So I'm not really sure how this episode of Trek About Presents is going to go. We've never really talked about something that is this fresh in everyone's minds. And I don't really watch any new media at all. So. Yeah. And I think it's going to be, well, number one, it's going to be good practice for the next Star Trek show when it comes out, if we actually talk about it as it's being released. And that's still a conversation well, we're having. We have a year to decide, basically. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying not to let all of the reactions and the hype and the reviews of Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens yeah, color yeah. my impressions of the movie. I, I really did try and go into this with fresh eyes. You know, I have a lot of issues with with J.J. Abrams in regards to what he did to, to Star Trek, and we'll talk about that in a few years when we get to those movies. But I liked The Force Awakens. Yeah, but, like okay, uh, well. But I don't know why this movie exists. Like, to me, to well, me, I look at this. I don't I, know why any movies exist, Eric. I mean, everybody's talking about because Guardians of the Marvel Galaxy, and I don't know why Iron Man is Money. They want to make you money. Know? It's a, we get, That's, I guess that's I mean, it. that's a whole thing about, like, how I've been seeing all these people tweeting about how Star Wars, you know, The Force Awakens has made all this money, and I'm like, are you getting a cut of this? Like, why do you care? It's just that kind of... Well, it's like their team is winning, you know what yeah, I mean? That's I know. it. Like, we live in a people... capitalist society and blah, blah, blah. But I guess my problem with it is, like, all of the Star Wars fans, like Pat Oswald and, like, all these people that really hated the prequels are like, hey, they did it. And I'm like, they made a, they made a remake of Star Wars. Good job, guys. That's what you wanted to see, I guess. <laughs> You know, I have to say, this was, I, because after I finished all of, you know, when I finished the original trilogy this, you know, past few weeks, you know, I felt like a kid again, fine. Like, when I watched the prequels, I felt, like, really bad afterwards. Like, I felt just depressed and, like, I'd wasted time and just a little nauseous and, like, I really did not feel good. I mean, I did leave the theater seeing The Force Awakens feeling good. I had a good time. Like, and that alone, like, I have not been to a movie. The last movie I saw was The Muppets. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, I don't go to the movies at all. I don't like going to the movies. I hate the whole experience, you know. I waited online for this movie, you know. I paid $9 for this movie, you know. I sat next to people. Um, and Richard is turning into a shut-in, by the way. We're just... No, I just, I hate movies. Like, it's just, movies suck. Like, they're so expensive. Do you know how much I fucking paid for candy? Like, $100. And Isn't he candy in? You go to the Rite Aid, Richard. You know, but I, 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 I wanted to do the movie experience. Like, I wanted to feel like an American for once. And, I mean, it was, all in all, I'm glad that my movie experience this decade was spent on this movie. Yeah, and it's fine. And I think that, there are parts of The Force Awakens that I really like. I think that, you know, they did a good job with introducing female characters that are actually competent. I, oh, yeah. I think that, you know, regardless of what else you you think about The Force Awakens, I think the fact of the matter is this is a very, very uh, – uh, I, don't, I don't even know if it's a feminist movie. I just think it's a, it's a matter-of-fact movie about the fact that there are women and, and there are strong women. Uh, you know, in a, in a way, I feel like this movie – kind of gave the i don't want to say gave permission because that sounds a little too condescending but this is more just acknowledging that you know there are little girls and then there are black kids who want to pretend to be jedi in this movie saying like well yeah that's a thing you know what i mean like it's just it's more the movie felt in 
I think in general, the movie was about addressing some of the oversights of the earlier Star Wars. I wouldn't say this was completely a deconstructive critique of Star Wars. It was, it's a Disney blockbuster film that everybody in America is going to see. It's not going to be that work, but it approaches it at a few points in a way that I like. I mean, I would say it's not a remake of Star Wars as it is... I mean, J.J. Abrams very much likes the history repeating. That was the entire point of the uh, Star Trek 09. And yet I think think the history repeats in a much better way because it's it's in a way about going, you know, looking at Luke's generation and, you know, who thought that they did everything. You know, they thought we defeated the Emperor. We defeated Darth Vader. Everything's going to be okay. And it's about the new generation saying, you know, you've just rested on your laurels and you left some things undone and the problems still exist well i, mean, I don't know is... if i agree with that because i don't know that there's any evidence in the movie that 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 generation is resting on its laurels but we'll talk about that later i think you know well I... I, you know i i the problem with it really is that you know i i don't like jj abrams I think J.J. Abrams is a much better director than George Lucas. I think his visual style is much uh, uh, better. He has a better sense of how to make an interesting visual. He has a much better sense of how to get a good performance out of an actor. I mean, I think... There weren't any boring parts, really, to this movie, I would say. Well... I mean, yeah, yeah, there there were some trimming, but compare that to the prequels. Compare that to The Return of the Jedi. There weren't... As many aimless. I mean, I will. I I will say for the fact of the matter that the Force Awakens had a running time that was as long as I think the longest prequel movie. That it didn't feel as long as the prequel movies is a testament to the fact that this. He knows how to keep a movie going at a good clip. He knows how to direct action sequences. But at the same time, I think that there's sort of a sameness to a lot of the movie that I just don't find very interesting. I don't. I you know I remember the the battles in Star Wars. I remember the battles in The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, the, the original trilogy, very very well. I could not really tell you much about it. I mean, I remember them getting into the Millennium Falcon for the first time with the Tie Fighters, but you know the whole I mean the whole Star Killer thing is just kind of a ridiculous you know. Well, you know, let, let me also point out that you've also been seeing the Star Wars you know for twenty twenty five years, and you've seen it multiple times. This is something you saw the other day only once. Would you have if you saw Star Wars for the first time today? Would you still remember the action sequences as well? I don't know what you mean by that. Well, you you basically said like, oh, I, you're you're saying you didn't really find the action sequences in this one as compelling, but you you know remembered the original trilogy's action sequences much better. I don't know, maybe, but I think that that I I mean, honestly, frankly, I would rem- I remember the prequel action sequences better than this movie. You know, I think that there's there's a there's a degree to which like especially like at the very end of the movie with the Star Killer stuff, where they're basically just completely copying the the run on this Death Star from the original Star Wars. Why do I need to see this again? You know, like there's a there's a degree to which I I, and again, you know, this movie just may not be for me. Well, like I, I was gonna say, here, here's my question: you're, you're critiquing a film. I'm critique, critiquing going to the movies. Well, I think we need to do both. I mean, well, yeah, but I mean, this is, you know, you know, it, you know, it, it was this, this to a degree, almost reminds me of. Um, there was a couple weeks ago going around. It was some website had a very formulaic like outline for the new Rihanna album before it even came out and everyone's like oh they just outlined this and my thing is like well yeah but it's a fucking pop record like what is there really to say about it you can't you know 
critique this like it's a deep thing. Maybe you, re- I don't know. Like the, the, that's that's I guess the open question with the Force Awakens is the Force Awakens a deep movie or not? Was it a good shallow entertainment thing? I would say yes. I think you know, and maybe that's what our point is here. We're going to see if well, and I think, but you know, I did. I actually really disagree with you because I think that that's one of the primary differences between George Lucas Star Wars and J.J. Abrams Star Wars is that, and I think at this point we can say there is a difference because yeah, oh yeah, whatever whatever else you want to say about the prequel movies, I think that watching The Force Awakens it it really did make me realize that. George Lucas was actually trying to do something different with Star Wars, you know, and and he wasn't successful, but at least he was trying. I I just it was incompetently done. I don't think that he had a clear understanding of what he was actually trying to do. I think that maybe the technology wasn't exactly ready. I think that actors weren't used to, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, emoting and acting in those kinds of, of green screen environments. But at least he was trying. I think that J.J. Abrams is a director that if you look at his other movies, if you look at you know Star Trek, it, again, he's doing a homage. If you look at Super 8, he's doing a homage to, to, to um, uh, Spielberg. You know, and now with, with The Force Awakens, I mean, you know, the look of the movie, he's really trying to ape – the 1977 George Lucas directing style. You know, certainly he does some of his 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 J.J. Uh, Abrams things. He gets some lens flares in there. The action sequences are much more kinetic and dynamic than than the George Lucas ones. You know, primarily because of the technology involved. But um, the pacing isn't as dreamlike as the original Star Wars and the original yes. trilogy gets. Um, it doesn't have as lang. It's not as lang. No, it's not. And but I think that that is something I find I miss. No, I I would actually agree with you, and I think that you know the fact of the matter is like he he's going down to using wipes now and then. I mean, he's not using them as much as in the original Star Wars, but he's still using them. This is well, I mean, the, you know that this that, is a man, but they're much more subtle. The wipes are much more but subtle. My point is I mean, that they're there. And and this is a man that But they're is, always there. That's always that's one of Star Wars' things right, right, in that, a way. Richard, like, that's what I'm saying. That that JJ J. Abrams okay. is he loves Star Wars. And you can tell that he loves Star Wars because if you look at what he did to Star Trek, like mm, there yeah. was nothing in the look of that movie that had anything to do with any of the previous Star Treks. However, Star the Star Wars The Force Awakens, he really did ape george lucas in a lot of ways and you can tell that he wanted to make this feel cohesive with what came before you know one of the things that i felt as i was watching and just this wasn't a game changer that the original star wars a new hope whatever you want to call it was in 1977 i mean that really did change a lot of things. It changed the way science fiction movies were made. It changed the way movie blockbusters, you know, happened. It changed, it created a franchise. It created an American mythology. Um, This is another installment of Star Wars. I think I feel like it was a worthy successor in the way that the prequels were not. Um, I guess, maybe you know, maybe the prequels had more ambition than this movie does, but this was a much better realized thing and like i said i I mean there's just something really i mean i don't know i like the movie but there's just something really depressing about it's not that it's not ambitious in any way you know it's it's just well this is how i feel about all movies made in 20 you know this is why i haven't seen a single uh 
superhero movie. You know, this is why I don't go to the movies. Oh, this yeah. Is why I'm I not disagreeing with you. I think that there are fundamental oh, yeah, yeah. problems with the way that these blockbuster movies are created now. And frankly, I, you know, they had the time and they had their time and they had their place. But but I just, you know, right now they're just exercises in making money. And I think that, you know, we're. I mean, I saw a trailer before this movie for, for Captain America Civil War. I mean, it's like, you know, who the fuck cares about any of this, you know? And there were like 20 million trailers and they were all terrible. No, but I think that, to, to, you know, the problem with The Force Awakens really is just that it, it, it feels so, so, so cynical and so, so designed to elicit uh, uh, good emotions from fans. I think that. Well, yeah, it's pop music. Yeah, I guess. I just, you know, wh- I don't know why I want to. I don't know why I need this. You know, like I. I well, you know, I have to say, I wouldn't probably wouldn't have gone to see the movie if. You know, we didn't have this project. It, there's just there's a fundamental sort of like uh, uh, it's not Star Trek, Eric. What do you mean? Like it's not tr- you know. I guess that's the thing. Like you know, in a way, you're faulting s- the new Star Wars movie for being unambitious, which it never would be. It's a Disney production. Do you know what I mean? I guess that's. I don't know. I, think, I don't know. I don't like know. I, I feel like we're. Getting... I think you're being sort of. Um, I think you're being a little, a little too, too facile here. I think that, you know, yeah, it's a Disney production, but, but so what? I mean, you know, Lawrence cast and, you know, co-wrote the script. I mean, I can't say that he's someone who's not ambitious. I mean, you know, he took, you know, the pulp nonsense of Star Wars and turned it into something very different in The Empire Strikes Back. Now, of course, that was 35 years ago. So maybe the man is different. Maybe the environment is different. I don't, I don't, well, get you the know, sense. I do believe that this movie is deeper maybe than you think it is. And I think you're kind of uh, ignoring the areas where it is. Well, well I mean, we haven't talked I, about the actual plot or anything yet. And we'll get into that. But I, you know, for me, it's just I look at this and I say, um, you know, why, why, why this? You know, there's, there's a, there's a calculatedness to it that just says, we're going to do everything that the prequels, we're going to get as far away from the prequels as we can. We're going to remind you of why you like Star Wars. You know, I'll be curious to see what the next movie is like. But at the end of the day, I think that, you know, you have to look at it and you have to say you have a problem with superhero movies and all these sort of like long five year plans. And here's how the movies are going to sync up and things. Um, and that's what they're doing to Star Wars now. I mean, they have, uh, Star Wars Rogue One, I think, coming out next December, and then Star Wars Episode Eight comes out in May of 2017. So they're already doing that with Star Wars. You know, I think that maybe it'll I mean, get us tired. To one degree, as that. though, th- I mean, it does feel like much tighter in the way that the loose ends in this are going to. You know, they're they're seeding a lot more plot points than the original trilogy did. Like this doesn't feel as made up as it goes along as the original trilogy did. And I do respect that. I do think that to a degree, it's almost difficult to talk about this movie because we don't know where the next, you know, trail is going to lead. You I, know what I, I mean? think that, I mean, I, 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 I see this, ep- this movie as beginning to ask some questions. And in a way it kind of has, if, if this, I see this series as possibly being about generational conflicts in a way that the original trilogy was. That was a generation story, but it was a more personal, almost edible father-son story. This is using the father-son prodigal story in a way to talk about the failures of the previous generation in a way that gives them... This this series might have the opportunity for an actual uh, repair 
of the status quo at the end in a way that the originals didn't. I mean, that's one of the um that's one of the facets of original tragedy. You have, you know, the tragic flaw which is a break in society and then you have the catharsis which is, you know, everything's re- everything's fixed and everything's okay again. Uh Anakin was redeemed too late in the original trilogy. He wasn't uh he became evil in the prequels. Uh Kylo Ren might be able to redeem himself by the end of this trilogy, and I think for this trilogy to be effective, he needs to. Do you know what I mean? Okay, sure, but I think that 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 you know what I kind of hear there is there's a cynicism to it that that I think is probably not in alignment with with not what, a cynicism. Well, because you know the thing is, I mean, you know, let's talk, let's get into talking about some of the actual plot and the characters because you know I do want to talk about them. I think you know. Basically, this movie says, well, the end of Return of the Jedi was was a lie. And, you know, you know, you know, I think it's there. I don't know. There's a there's here's the here's the here's the thing. The original the original expanded universe, which is now being decanonized from what I've read, dealt with the aftermath of Return of the Jedi and basically says, yes, Darth Vader and the Emperor are no more. But what are all those people who were, you know, in the Empire just going to go home? No, there are still going to be, you know, people who want to take up leadership now. I believe there is a trilogy which is dealing with, well, in, you know, with the Emperor dead, who takes power now? Um, and this is very much dealing, you know, what I think of this, I think this movie does need to be read in the context of boomer versus millennial, you know, sniping at each other. This is a generational conflict that is always the case. You know, the old generation says, well, you're just sitting on and doing nothing and, you know, taking the easy way. And the old one was saying, well, it was, you know, it's different for us and you forgot all of these things. In a way, I think it's very significant that it's almost as if Luke Han and Leia think that, well, with the Emperor gone, with Darth Vader gone, everything's going to be okay and are surprised when the dark side still exists. Do they think that, when though? Most... I, I, you know, I don't know. I think that that's the, fundamental t- there's well, a, that's the fundamental tension at the heart of Star Wars, I think, and especially, um, you know, we're kind of ignoring the prequels here because I, I don't think that they were particularly good at anything. But I think anything, this, movie igno- but... this movie ignores the prequels. Oh, yeah, I, I would say. say so, too. I think that, that if Disney could decanonize the prequels, they probably would. I... Th- I didn't catch a single really reference to any of them. At I was all, waiting like, for to them any... to like drop a name of a planet or a character or something. And yeah, there was nothing, you know. So yeah, uh, it's it's very you know entrenched with the original trilogy, but it's as if there was no prequel trilogy in a lot of ways. And I think that was in some ways the right decision to make because Anakin's story is almost already is completely. Well, over I think it was the only decision to make because if, yeah. if they had put Jar Jar in or something, people would have gone insane. Um, how, how uh, at the very end when they have Luke in the, uh, hood and like she's coming upon him. Uh, should we have said that we're going to be spoiling the fuck out of this movie? By uh, the way? Yeah, probably. Um, that should have been Jar Jar. I know, I was just, like, waiting for him to take off the... You said too late, <laughs> Lukey Gotti Gotti! <laughs> or, you know, or at the very least, that like, you know... That would have made George... the movie for me. I know. Um... No, but I think, I think that there is a tension at the heart of Star Wars. And when I say Star Wars, I mean the original trilogy in this movie, which is that... You know, the original Star Wars was just pulp nonsense. You know, the Death Star made no sense. There's there's no actual verisimilitude here, right? Like, it's a pulp story. It's just yeah. an action-adventure story. And then you get Return of the Jedi and you get Empire Strikes Back, which try and make it a little more realistic and try and examine some of these, what, what people would actually be like, right? And yeah. 
that's kind of what I think the problem with The Force Awakens is as well, where it does want to ask questions about, well, okay, they wanted to, they they thought that killing the Emperor and killing Darth Vader would would solve everything. And in a pulp version of this universe, it does, right? But yeah. in the real version of this universe, it doesn't. And I guess maybe that's the difference between I mean, Star Wars fans and, and people like you and me that just kind of like the movies. That I'm not interested in the quote-unquote real version of the Star Wars universe. I just want the pulp version. Yeah, and maybe that's it. Maybe this is tri- – because, you know, this is J.J. Abrams. And while I really only saw this Star Trek, I watched the shit out of Lost, and I can see some resonances. But um, the uh, – uh, uh, um, you can see him tr- – again, I think the biggest problem with this movie is that it can't be the it can't be the DS9 of Star Wars yet. But, you know, it's not allowed to be in a way because it has to be, it can't go that as dark as it might want to be. But at the same time, it's dark enough that it files off the pulp a bit. Do you know what I mean? I I think so. And I think that there's also a, you know, a fundamental difference between what movies can get away with and what television shows can get away with. Because, you know, Deep Space Nine can get away with recontextualizing and examining Star Trek and the mythology of Star Trek. You know, partially because it's the third Star Trek show and another one was starting like two years later, you know, so there's just so much more television that that is made in those kind of situations, whereas, you know, Star Wars gets a movie every three years at, you know, if if they're lucky. Now, now that's changing a little bit. And I think that with the spinoff movies, again, we'll get to see different sides of it. But And maybe it might be nice to get get more of a I mean Rogue One that implies to me it's more of a like a fighter pilot kind of story I, you know I read it as taking place like in the time period I think after Return of the Jedi or no yeah. I think it's after Return of the Jedi but before The Force Awakens I think Yeah because I mean we can feel like there is there this there are, is almost a new prequel trilogy coming in between that's implied because there is a lot of backstory. We get some of it in the movie, but, you know, it does elide a lot of it. Some will be revealed later, but some may be... I, I, I mean, there this impl- there is a time period implied in this movie where, you know, Luke, Leia, and Han are all together, and, you know, Kylo Ren's a little kid, and, you know, if, as it turns out, Rey is really Luke's daughter, she's a little you know, baby in the picture, and everybody's really happy. And I mean, like, they're dealing with stuff like that's a, and and things go wrong. Like, that's a period of time that these movies, you know, have said is very significant. So, yeah, maybe that takes place around that. Yeah, it could know. be. You know, and I think that, that you know, that so that's, yeah, I, I think that The Force Awakens, if anything else, it'll be interesting to see what the next movie is like. I and there are yeah. parts of this again, you know, I sound like I don't like this movie. I, I I did like it. I think, you know, I'd be lying if I said that, you know, oh, that garbage ship and then it pans over again and it's the Millennium Falcon. I mean, that was a great moment. I think that I know, you know, the the whole Chewy were home, that's the most fan service line and I was happy to hear it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it it it's a it, sometimes it hits you right and that line hits I you think right. that when when Ray is is you know scavenging in the ruins of that that star destroyer that's crashed on the planet you know that's a great visual um you know seeing the tie fighters again seeing the stormtroopers again you know seeing all these these things again it, it is just it's fun and i think that you know you know, maybe it's not a bad thing. I don't know. I think that that if this movie was made for fans, I think that it also works for people that don't really like Star Wars all that much. I think it is entertaining. 
And I think that I, I look at this movie and I say, if people wanted this out of the prequels and they didn't get it, is it such a bad thing that they're getting it? I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think thing. I kind of feel that way. And I think, you know, um, we live in such a cynical age right now. I think that everything is so terrible that having something that's just unabashedly fun out there is is and not grim because you know it's funny because there's a lot of really really dark stuff going on in this movie but it's not a grim movie it does end with with hope i mean they and uh, you, you know they are going to find luke and they you know obviously luke is not going to luke is going to come back at some point soon you know if not in the second movie then the third movie you know that's good you know that is hope returning to the galaxy you know even though Kylo Ren missed his opportunity to, at redemption today. You know, there are still people who believe in him. Anakin still got read. You know, all of those things. It ends with those notes. The Starkiller base is gone, you know? Well, and also, and, well, they'll build another one because that's the third time they've used that trope. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, yeah, but I think this is, there is a degree to which this movie is about a generation who doesn't learn from the previous generation's mistakes. I mean, that's the entire point of Kylo Ren as a Darth Vader fanboy. I think, in a way, I think he's... This this movie dealt with a lot of bathos in a lot of ways. I think that... A lot of what? Bathos. Ba- so it's the opposite of pathos. Bathos is when something is intentionally underwhelming. Are you making this up? I am not making this up. I have a literature degree. <laughs> Kylo Ren for the first half of this movie, yes, you know, you see him, you're like, oh, God, he's redoing Darth Vader, you know, okay, you know, whatever, and then you see him praying to Darth Vader's mask, you know, and, you know, realizing that, like, oh, my God, he's, you know, discovered his Nazi grandfather's, you know, old uniform, and he thinks that that's, you know, what he wants. by the way? Yeah, I I I I know, and did that's he, a whole did other. He go to uh, the, the, <laughs> the Ewok planet and and like dig it up. I, I'm just I'm confused. You know. Anyway, <laughs> listen, the Force works in mysterious ways. That would have um, been a fun vacation. I'm going to go to the Ewok planet and and dig up my grandfather's <laughs> burned corpse. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> um. But I think what really hit me is the scene when he's, you know, trying to extract the information from Ray, and she's like, you know, look, the only reason I'm scared is because you're wearing a mask, ooh, you know, and he takes it off, and it's Hannah's dweeby boy, weird boyfriend from Girls with a stupid haircut, and he's this pasty emo kid, and for the rest of the movie, that colors every single appearance that he's in. Oh, like, sure. He is, I think, you know, it... it he sucks as a villain. He's just a rage-filled teenager who's making a couple of stupid choices and, you know, who is not listening to reason. And that's, I think, a much more – I don't know. I think that's interesting. Well, it does – you know, it, it's like, interesting because I think it does – you know, wh- one of the things that I actually liked a lot about about the movie was the the way in which the the scenes with Kylo Ren and the, the blonde First Order captain or whoever that was – talking to the supreme leader who i think is voldemort um yeah um and i wonder if they're going to when you actually really see him i wonder if he's only going to be like two feet tall yeah i mean like something like that continuing in the paper tiger vein of this you know move well and and also you know not to skip around but i i I did like the fact that that technology has shown to advance a little bit because of course the, the hologram looks real and then it turns off and they actually do the little you know star wars hologram thing very briefly when it shuts off 
Um, but I but I like the fact that the First Order is painted as something that maybe they, they're not as with it as they think they are. You know, these are obviously the remnants yeah. of the Empire that have joined together under this guy. But, but yeah, I read somewhere, I think J.J. Abrams called it, you know, Nazis in Brazil after World War II. Yeah. You know? But I think that, you know, I like the fact that that Kylo Ren and this other guy is sort of the, the, the two second, you know, the two first in command or their second yeah. in command or whatever. And that that the, the first order captain is is openly contemptuous of Kylo Ren in a way that no one ever was with Darth Vader, indicating that people yeah. don't really respect Kylo Ren a lot, which I think is an interesting direction that- to go in. Yeah, I mean, I get the sense that the two of them rank-wise are kind of equal, but, you know, even the Supreme Leader knows that Kylo Ren is still young, still inexperienced. I mean, his—at the end, he says, you know, get him, I need to finish his training. Like, you know, he's not ready yet, you know, we need to—you know, he he, he he has a lot of authority based on his—you know, based on his position, but— Every single person knows that Kylo Ren goes into these rages. I mean, the scene when he's, like, chopping up, like, the computer right. because he's pissed off. And then you see the two stormtroopers, like, go off and they just kind of, like, you know, back away. Like, this is well known. Like, they know him as a stupid, angsty kid. I mean, what this really reminded this. me of is sort of, like, like you know, you know what it's like in a, in a house with an alcoholic. You know, like, you yeah. never really know what you're going to get. And so you're always on guard and you're always just kind of like, okay, I'm going away now. Like, this is – I'm just going to disengage. So, so I think that in a certain sense, like, you know, maybe Kylo Ren is, you know, I don't know if they're turning the dark side into some sort of addiction metaphor. I kind of hope not, to, you know, depending on. I mean, there is a then it starts to make to me which... think of like, you know, season six of Buffy and no one wants to think about that. Yes. But... Oh, yeah. I mean, there is. Uh, 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 listen, Marty Noxon still loves, is so appreciative of seasons. Um, you know, there is a degree to which Han and Leia are dealing with, you know, their Ivy League bound son got into heroin. I mean, that mm-hmm. is kind of yeah, yeah. You know, the, it, it, it's a cross between that and Chelsea Clinton joins ISIS in a way. Their plot line, um, you know, they are, and, and that's how they are dealing with. They are not sure if their son is completely lost to them or not, and or you know, he's essentially joined a gang. It's you know, and so I mean, I I, I don't think the dark side is necessarily a full-on addiction metaphor. I don't think that's completely where they're going to go with it because it is a bit more... I mean, I would like to see this episode, this this series kind of aligning the issues of light and dark as one is good, one is evil, you know, in a way. Um, I don't know if that's where they're going to go with it. But... I don't know, but I do think it's interesting that I believe that this is the first movie that actually calls it the light side. You know, like, yeah, I think so, too. Uh, you know, so something like that, I think, is kind of indicative of, of maybe where they're going to go with it. I don't know. But but I think that, you know, and I, I also like the fact that I think one of the problems that we had with the prequels is that they were trying to explain things that no one really cared about all that much. And, you know, with this movie, it's very much in media rays. Like we know Luke Skywalker. I mean, there's yeah. there's an entire like other trilogy that they could have made about you know yeah, yeah, yeah. what what Luke Skywalker was doing, the betrayal, like what happened with all of his Padawans, Kylo Ren becoming this guy that goes off to the First Order, you know Han and Leia getting divorced or something, you know. But but I think that the instinct is right here where it's like that doesn't really matter. Like all we need to know are the broad strokes of what happened, and now we're going to tell you a fun story about these new characters. You know, there's a degree if if I were writing the second movie where, you know, at, at the end of this movie, you know, Ray, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Finn, uh, 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 Finn, and uh, 
there's a third, and Kylo Ren are all going to be getting training. You know, they all need to be, you know, they're not, they, they're, they all have potential. They're not where they need to be enough for the climax, you know. So the second movie is going to be partially training montage. Well, it, which is I interesting, would like, you know, because do you mean force training? Because I don't think that Finn is a force user. No, no, no. But I mean, he's, he's also training in general. He's an, he's a sanitation engineer in a coma. He's not physically where he needs to be in order to be you know, fighting the First Order, you know, so he needs to get some more military training, he needs to heal up, you know, those kind of things. Right. Training in general, you know, obviously, yes, Ray and Kylo Ren are going to get force training specifically, but the point is, you know, they're, they need to go through training montages, I think that would be an interest, you know, I would like if the second movie were largely based on flashbacks of that era, what happened, how did everything break? Well, that would you be, know, how did everything- I actually, yeah, I mean, I think that that would, that would mark this, this trilogy as very different from the first one, I think, you know, because that's, yeah, that's kind of a standard thing, the first one is a story in, 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 in media race, then you go back to the, to, to what happened before, and then the last one is the wrap-up i think that would be interesting yeah and it would be a the only pro it would be a way of alighting you know the training while you know nothing happens in the second movie okay well nothing really will happen except we'll find out because everybody does have those questions you and i do have those why did link why did luke fuck although i think the the only problem with that is a i don't think harrison ford would do another one and i think he i think they killed him because that's the only way they could get him to come back for this one uh, I have, I mean, I don't have any inside knowledge of that, but that's kind of how I feel about it. You know, yeah. <laughs> knowing knowing what I do about how Harrison Ford feels about Star Wars, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, uh, uh, the fact of the matter is, like, you know, they're not getting any younger, and so I think it would be very difficult no. to pull off flashbacks from five or ten years ago, even. At the same time, we also don't know if they just filmed two. You know what I mean, like. They might have just filmed the two scenes of Harrison Ford in the flash in a flashbacks for episode two, and then you know he's not really, you know. While well, they did episode, I don't know. I, I would be very surprised. That. They don't really make movies that way. I'm very surprised at everything that happens to me, Eric. Um, but you know, I thought I guess I thought that was very interesting because I know when we were watching Revenge of the Sith, you and I were jo- joking, you know, like okay, so at the end, you know, Obi Wan and Yoda just disappear for twenty years and do nothing. Right. I mean, you know, in a way. This movie is everybody disappears and do nothing, you know. Le- Leia's the only one who's even remotely active, and, you know, let's face it, after, you know, after her own son going to the dark side, it's going to be a little difficult for her to have, you know, her 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 career was a little difficult after that. Right, happened. right. Well, um, you know, if your own son, if you can't even prevent your own son, how can you lead the resistance, you know, uh, Sound Solo just goes and smuggles and is like trying to get the Millennium Falcon literally just, you know, staying in the past. And Luke is hermiting on a random planet in Obi-Wan disguise. You know, they they are making the exact mistakes that their mentors did for them. You know, when things got tough, they just left. I mean, that seems to be the Jedi way. I would say that the end scene with, you know, Rey handing out the lightsaber is... Her generation saying, like, look, you didn't do enough. You know, you abandoned us when we needed you. You need to come back. We'll do our part, but you need to do your part, too. I, I think that's right. And I think that the, the the one thing that does give me pause about all of that, though, is, you know, I, I don't the, there's there's a little bit of a sloppiness to the script writing in this movie where I don't really understand what the resistance is. Um, and I don't really understand what the first order is, and I don't really understand no. what the Republic is. You know, like if if you look at the end of Return of the Jedi and you say they overthrew the Empire, and 
then they reestablish the Republic. I think they call it the New Republic at some point in this movie. Sure. But but what is the resistance like? It it, it feels like they're just trying to 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 uh, 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 do you know rhyming with with the first trilogy with the rebellion. But it does it does well. It I would say it doesn't that... work because why wouldn't it just be the Republic fighting the First Order? Yeah, that I don't know. But I would say that I mean I find the name change extremely significant. You know, rebellion is. You know, that's, you know, you think of like teenage rebellion, you know, resistance is something that resistance to change. That's, that's like hardcore Israelis, like, you know, murdering, you know, Nazis in 1944. Like that's, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think when I think of resistance, I think of like the Jewish resistance in World War II, or I think, you know, the French resistance, I think of those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess it's a case, you know, my, my. There is a degree to which, you know, the terms are sketchy and just very, in a way, iconic, just as the first trilogy was. You have an empire, everyone's dressed in black, and they're scary, you know. You have a rebellion, and they're, you know, more down-to-earth and friendly, well, you know. That's the same thing we're dealing with this. I guess, I, to the degree that I, I may, you know, my own headcanon, if you want to call it that, is that, yeah, they have this republic, here is the resistance, maybe they're the army of the republic, um... And they're resisting this first order who is trying to reestablish the empire. I mean, that's I the, I agree with you and I disagree with you because I think that on the one yeah. hand, it doesn't matter so much. But on the other hand, it's another example it of can. The Force Awakens trying to rhyme with the original trilogy in a way that doesn't quite work. You know, here's the th- – yeah, I guess the thing is in some ways this isn't a self-contained movie. This is the first third of an extremely long movie. If that's the case, then, you know, yeah, it's fine to hold this. But, you know, from our, you know, and maybe in 10 years, you know, if two guys do a podcast and they view them all over a week, you know, over a three-week period, you know, things will make sense. You know, it, they'll reveal exactly what the resistance and the and how the First Order started early on in the second movie, and that's the right spot for that. But you and I at this point, we don't know. And, yeah, it feels... It's difficult to be a self-contained. I I think that's a valid criticism, but I also think that that's kind of a cop out because, you know, of course, to me. And I think I don't want to speak for you, but I think for me, that's kind of the problem I have with a lot of the, the, the structure of blockbuster cinema at this point where, you know, they 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 are looking for properties that they can turn into, you know, movie after movie after movie, which they plan out in advance. And you know it's very difficult to find anyone i think who knows how to write a self-contained blockbuster anymore you know at the same time i kind of do respect you know if you have a very you know that kind of interconnected eh, i mean i think they just want to make more money i you know i this of this course. is my cynicism coming out where i think that that you know the original star wars was an experiment you know george lucas didn't realize he was going to make a sequel i don't think he ever had any plans to make a sequel it was just a self-contained movie that was really fun and then of course once you get into the empire strikes back and return of the jedi and the prequel trilogy you know the the cracks start showing because this wasn't really designed to be an expansive story whereas yeah, you're right. The Force Awakens is very much written and designed and shot and acted as a first act in a trilogy. And yes, we will yeah. probably find out what the resistance is in the second or third one. But to me, I, I, I just wish that they would have tried a little better to make the movie a little more self-contained. 
And that's 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 fair too. Then again, um, we would yeah. miss out on you know the great shot at the very end with Luke Skywalker revealing himself on the cliff and not saying a word. Yeah, I I think that we do need to. We haven't talked about the new characters yet, and and I want to talk about them. But but I also want to wrap up talking about the older characters by talking about I think the the two places that I really respected the movie, which were number one, killing Han Solo. I, yeah. I frankly, I, frankly I, I mean, didn't that, that movie, felt inevitable to me. I didn't think the movie had it in it to do it, though. Uh, like what the second they showed that bridge, I thought, oh, God, yeah, he's going to die. Because I know there was a ton of speculation which character would die. Probably Hanso led the, you know, everyone knows that he originally wanted, you know, he suggested killing the character in Return of the yeah. Jedi, but Lucas wouldn't do it. So, you know, J.J. Abrams would. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I respect them for making that choice, and I respect yeah. them for pulling that off. And I also respect them for showing Luke Skywalker and not having to say anything. You know, I think that, yeah. you know, you know, we've I've criticized the movie for being sort of fan service, but I also think that the movie, you know, I will give it credit for having some restraint as well. You know, I, I don't think that Leia is in the movie that much. You know, there are moments to it that, that do feel like fan service, but for the most part, it's also very interested in introducing these new characters. And I think that, you know, yeah. my my speculation about what the second and third movies are going to be or they're going to be very very much you know ray and finn and poe's story oh yeah not leia and han well han is dead and i think luke skywalker will obviously be in it but i think he'll be more of an obi-wan role and like in star wars yeah i was gonna say you know in a way that generation has become the older mentors you know leia is now a general she is you know commanding the resistance army you know han solo is an old is an old gruff pilot you know and he's teaching you know and chewie in a way takes on some of that role with uh uh with ray at the end of the movie yeah, you know yeah. he 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 essentially adopts her we assume that you know Maybe he's making a life debt to her as well as he did to as he did to Han, you know. Um, and well, and yeah, that, and I mean, also, you know, before we talk about the new characters, I think, I think we have to recognize how nice it is to to talk about a Star Wars movie that's just not terrible. Like, <laughs> I was going to say, like, I felt like I felt like an adult watching this movie. Like, this was not, you know, there there wasn't anything that embarrassed me watching it. I think the tentacle monsters got close, but uh, the the beholders, yeah. Well, I'm playing through Icewind Dale, <laughs> so like the, they felt very in place. Somebody likes D and D on the the tech staff. That's all I'm uh, saying. I, I would say if I could cut out a scene, yes, that whole bit was just fucking unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about the new characters then, because I think that that you know, number one, I love Ray. I think Ray is a fantastic. Character. Oh yeah. I think that that you know, having a strong female character be the Luke. Being the Luke role in this movie, I think, is probably one of the more subversive things that the movie is doing. Yeah, and it's a very, you know, with both the reveals of uh, uh, Finn and Ray, those are very significant. Number one, partially the Finn reveal is that he is indeed not a clone trooper. He looks, ex- you know, there there was no way he looks like Jango Fett, you know, and so, you know, him Who? taking off. He- exactly. <laughs> um um, you know, this does come a few minutes after that does come a few minutes after um, you know, the discussion that uh, you know, whether or not they're going to use clone troopers. And in my own mind, I was wondering, you know, who are the stormtroopers now? Well, that's a very strong. Well, they're just regular people, you know, who just, you know, who um, who, who and, apparently get kidnapped and enslaved. Well, you know, same with the Jedi. Uh, I don't know about that, but okay. That's that's that's, you know, 
I, I, I think there in, you know, I think there is supposed to be a little bit of a pa- parallel in that they, you know, maybe the Jedi are less mean about it, but, you know, they are still taking children from their parents. Well, yeah, but I think they're. And training them to be soldiers. They're asking them for permission. They're not just taking them. Yeah, you're right. You know, with, uh, we, we, we saw in the prequels, we you know, in the what? that. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I, no, I, you know, um, I'm trying to be funny, but I'm also like making a real point that I think that to a large degree, I think that, that this Star yeah. Wars from this point on will probably ignore the prequel trilogy. <laughs> I, again, the right decision, you know, maybe they'll just take the broadest strokes from it or, you know, just – but, you know, the, the, the yeah, I, I have to say, you know, the – I you know, remember we joked about the – you know, title crawl and the, you know, prequel trilogy. There's taxes, all the tariffs. What is anyone? And this movie begins with Luke Skywalker is missing. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah. You know, this, this is as much of a slap in the face to the prequels as you can get. But yeah. Um, and Ray's reveal is very much, bam, I'm a girl. And like I said, I, you know, she's a woman. She's supposed to be what? 17, 18. I guess. I don't know. Um, uh, 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 you know, this is a case where not – and not only is she a strong or well-rounded or whatever female character, but there are other female characters in this movie, and they all differ. Yes, yes. And I think that – and that more than anything, you know, because as we said, in the originals, you know, Princess Leia was treated very respectfully, you know, was given characterization, but she was the only well, one. somebody's going to have to save our skins, and then they go into a trash compactor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, you know, we, we talked, you know, a little bit in, in the previous podcast about how much George Lucas's Star Wars is a boys club and and yeah. how, frankly, just kind of odious that is. And I think that, that you know, this is obviously a modern day Star, Star Wars. You know, this is. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. Women are a part of the world. Women are capable of doing things like as much as a man is maybe better sometimes, you know, like it doesn't really have anything to do with their gender. And I think that having Ray, you know, be this this force badass. Now, obviously, I think that with the flashbacks that are supposed to be a little bit, I think, confusing yeah. about her background, you know. And that's definitely a scene that once we, you know, have seen all three movies, right. you know, we'll know, you know, we'll know exactly where those scenes, those are probably bits that were filmed that will be used in other movies. Yeah, you know? and I think that obviously she is a very strong Force user. It looks like stronger than Kylo Ren. We actually don't know how strong Kylo Ren is on the Force, but, you know. Uh, you know, they're both, you know, the implication is that they're both very untrained, but that she is almost completely untrained. I mean, I read somewhere someone described it as her reverse engineering the force, you know, in a way. When she first uses her, you know, the Jedi mind trick against the, uh, you know, nobody's really trained her in the Jedi mind trick. It almost seems as if, you know... She's somebody who is very aware of all the legends about Luke Skywalker and, you know, has heard these tales. And so, you know, she heard somewhere, well, Jedi can, you know, you know, take, you know, control the weak minded. And she's almost doing it desperately. And she, you know, just clicks into being able to use it. You know, the fact that she, you know, does that Zen, you know, calm herself breaths thing beforehand shows that she's almost instinctually going towards the light side. You know, we know of the light side as being of control and, you know, balance and all of that where the uh dark side is based on emotions and you know anger and all of that so but yeah no one really teaches her and yet she's able to kind of click on the obvious things which is and yeah imagine her with luke training her 
I I, I kind know, of she... feel like her whole backstory is designed to make you speculate about what her backstory is, which yeah. sounds like a tautology, but you know. But I, but I do. Th- I mean, I'm of the opinion that I think Ray probably did have some training already, uh, because yeah. she was dumped on this planet when she was a kid, and no one is coming to get her. So her parents are obviously dead, or, or they don't care about, or whatever, you know. So they may not even know she's there, right? I mean, if if if, yeah. if she was if she was taken by the Jedi as a child, or taken by Luke as a child, and taken to the Jedi Temple and trained, you know, and maybe she was the strongest Force user, and they spirited her away so she wouldn't get killed. Um, yeah, there's um, there has been some speculation about the Max von Sydow character at the beginning that you know gives Poe what's his name the map in the first place. Yeah, you know? some people have suggested, well, maybe he is an Obi Wan type, he is a Jedi, or he's somebody who is you know there to look out after her and guard the map, you know, and that's his role. Um, and again, that may be revealed in the later episode yeah you know? yeah and i also think that you know one of the interesting things one of the interesting sort of um reads on the movie was that you know because some people had problems with ray being such a strong force user being able to go up against kylo ren who obviously was trained by luke skywalker we know that for a fact that uh you know number one luke skywalker i don't know if he was ever the best jedi i mean you know like he wasn't trained that much he was trained by he was the best jedi alive at that in in return exactly yeah which (laughs) he was the only one alive uh or the only one that we know of and also that that um someone made the the interesting point that and i forget where i saw this but um that when ray like levels up in a sense and starts to use the force in different and interesting ways and, and, and is able to defeat Kylo Ren or at least come to some sort of draw Yeah, that, that she's it's after she's seen him do something. So yeah. And after he's been in her mind, I mean, there is, it's almost pop. I almost wonder if there's a case where he accidentally left something behind. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I I think so. So I think that, that, you know, she, whatever else you can say about Ray. And I think at this point, you know, she's an interesting character, but I'm not sure that I think that the movies later will, 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 will have to flesh her out a little bit more. But I think that, you know, she is obviously someone who is very, 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 uh, uh, connected to the original trilogy characters, and she's also someone who's very, very force sensitive or force capable or whatever you want to call it. Um, I yeah. love her. I think she's you a know great we've seen yeah we've seen you know I really love that one scene when she and you know Finn first meet and they're very much like that scene is parodying the typical you know how the male hero and the you know female lead would meet where you know she's about to be attacked he's running to her and you know she dispatches him like what before they're half you know he's halfway there and you know he keeps trying to save her and you know she's obviously doing all the like it's a very funny scene you know because it's you know very much you know giving the finger to those normal types of scenes how they play out yeah i think i think you're Um, right i think you're right and and you know the whole relationship between her and Finn, I think, is really interesting because, of course, oh, yeah. the movie is is definitely not going down the road, I think, of them, like, fucking. I think that there's there's no sexual tension in that relationship. I think that, you know, Finn is obviously kind of a fuck-up. And, you know, he's he's the comic relief in a certain sense. He's sarcastic. You know, he has a bit of a, a an interesting personality. He's obviously not a good stormtrooper. But at the same time, I don't know. He's kind of... I don't think... I mean, I, I think he's an interesting what? character because I don't know that he really has an analog with the original Star Wars. I was going to say a lot of the character, you know, that that's one of the things that I, you know, thought immediately was that, you know, unlike the prequel trilogies, I can really give you two sentences about all of the different characters, you know, 
even the new ones. And that, you know, if they don't have the deepest personalities, that is still something. You know, the prequel yeah. trilogies, I still couldn't tell you anything about, you know. But, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like they're going almost more to a brotherly-sisterly kind of. Like, a lot of people, you know, Poe Dameron is, like, barely in the movie, you know, I thought. But, you know... I've seen a lot of fan art of the three of them, like, best friends, you know, kind of things, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, but to a degree, I think that's kind of really nice, you know, it's like, yeah, these three characters who do, I mean, the whole Han, Leia, you know, Luke thing, you know, becomes this, you know, and yes, Han and Leia do, you know, fall in love with each other, but there is a, you know, sense of a very extremely strong bond between them, yeah. you know, Luke and Leia become brother and sister, you know, Ray and uh, 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 and Finn will probably not be biological brother and sister, but that doesn't mean that they can't, you know, be very close to each other. Yeah, you know? no, absolutely. And I think that you know, if if you look at, um, for example, like the character of Maz, uh, the little alien who's, yeah. who's voiced by uh, Lupita, um, I forget her last name, Younger. yeah, um, that that you know, that's a very interesting character as well because yeah. you know, in a certain sense. And I think the movie's doing a pretty good job of balancing, hey, this character reminds me of X character from the original trilogy, and this is an entirely yeah. new character, because of course she does remind you of Yoda a little bit. But at the same time, she's a very, very different character because we and and also what I like about it is that, you know, I think Maz and Finn and Ray and maybe not Poe, I don't really care about his backstory, but it it makes you wonder about them and it makes you wonder where they came yeah. from. Like who is Maz? What's going on here? Why does she have Luke Skywalker's lightsaber? You know, like there's all these yeah. open questions that I'm actually interested in the answers to. And, you know, and that is one where, you know, I thought, it, you know, they, they explicitly basically say, you know, listen, that'll be in the next movie. You know, she might, she all but says that at one but point. But I mean, contra- you, know? you know, contrast that with the prequel trilogy where can you name a character that you found intriguing at all? You know, you know, she reminds, she has, you know, what, you know, what character she's like the guy at the diner in episode two. Oh yeah. He was really interesting. <laughs> and actually um, I think that he was named after George Lucas's son. Um, yeah. Uh, I, w- I just want to see like, see, fuck the clone wars. I want to see a series that's at that diner. And like everybody who comes into that diner and just like following like, you know, the lives of the wait staff, you know, and every so often Obi-Wan comes in, you know, and it's like a big, you know, two part guest special. Okay. That's what I want to see. You want to see Coruscant's restaurant? Coruscant's restaurant. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I don't know how much there there is else to say about it, but I think that, you know, on the one hand, I'm a little disappointed. On the other hand, I think it's probably about as good as a Star Wars movie as we were going to get, especially after the fact of the prequels. And, you know, they had to go as far away from them as they possibly could. I, oh, yeah. I don't I mean, I'm I think that that you know, they 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 pulled this off as well as I think they could have, and I think that if you look at the I'm I'm excited to see the next one because I'm hoping that that's going to be this trilogy's Empire Strikes Back. And they're really going to do yeah. something interesting and new with this. That means we get to look forward to this trilogy's Return of the Jedi. Oh. Well, uh, I don't think I want that. But maybe I Yes, do. you do. But you'll pay nine fifty. I want to I want to fucking see Jar, War- Jar Jar, though. I want to see Jar Jar at yeah. some point. I, I think he's dead at this point 
No, how could he be dead? Oh my god, what if that's like what broke everybody like you know they they like jar jar like told them where to find luke and like everybody killed and like you know jar jar like you know kylo ren is like this is what we get this is the reward given to traitors and he slices up jar jar i do kind of like and i do kind of like, like jar- there's like a 20 minute scene where he's slicing like it's very dark you know it's going to be directed by the guy who did irreversible <laughs> Well, I, I do I do kind of appreciate the character of Jar Jar because in a certain sense he harkens back to the days when sitcoms would introduce characters and then they would just disappear and no one would ever mention them again. I'm really glad that this, you know, pretend you know, there, there there's all this speculation that the Supreme Leader is really Dark Plagueis. Who the fuck is that? Remember the like uh, no, it was uh... I don't remember. In the third prequel movie, oh, when they're well, at, <laughs> let me let when me, let me shuffle the, through the cards in my mind about Revenge of the... Nope, don't remember him. When they're off at the opera. It was like the only good scene when Betty was like, you know, there was Dark Plagueis and he wanted to get the secret of eternal life and his, you know, his, his apprentice killed why don't him. They call him why bit? don't they call him Darth Ponce de Leon then? Hey, my name is Ponce de Leon. I have the force. Oh, oh that's really offensive. Yeah, so yeah, to both French and Spanish people. I think you talked me into liking this maybe more than I thought I did. Good for once, I did something, but because I had a fun time. It was a it it was it was good fast food. It was like you know, not it wasn't McDonald's, but it's like one of those places where you go to the counter and you order and then you bring it to your table. Well, I think it shows what JJ is capable of when he has like a good script under him because yeah, th- there was a cu- there were a couple of scenes that probably could have been trimmed or cut. I think that maybe the star killer yeah. was a little bit over the top. Uh I don't know that that was entirely necessary. And it does kind of drag down the the last little bit of the movie just a little bit because of course you know that none of them are going to die, uh at least not the new characters. But you know, yeah. you know, compare and contrast this with like the the Star Trek reboot from two thousand nine, where that script was just like a mess. And yeah, you know, the thing about Jar, the thing about the thing about Jar Jar, the thing ab- <laughs> the thing about Jar Jar Abrams is that, you know, oh my god, <laughs> is is that he's very, very, very good at making action movies that just go along so fast that while you're watching them, you have no time to think about it, and. And I have to say, I understood what was going on through the movie. I did use the action sequences for bathroom breaks at a couple points. That's fine. I very much held it because I wanted to get the full experience. Uh, So bad, bad job, Richard. Um, I'm a terrible person. Listen, man. I don't drink things at the movies because I have a small bladder. Anyway, that's too much information for our listeners. But, you know, uh, give us money on our patreon and we'll give do a podcast on our bladders um we're never going to do that uh so i think that that you know whatever else you say about this movie i think that jj abrams was the right choice to direct it and i think that that i hope that the script writers work on the next one because i would really like to see what they do uh you know with this setup you know at the end of the day i had a good time at the movie all right you know well i hope you had a good time listening to episode seven of trek about the sense well, I, you know, we had a good time recording it. I got it. I even got up early to do this. Today I know. For you, our listeners. Well, if you have any thoughts on the podcast that we just did about The Force Awakens, please leave a comment on the post for this episode at trekaboutshow.com. Our, 
if you put your theories, we'll like totally interact. We with will you. absolutely. Uh, our social media username, where you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, is Truck About Show. You can please give us a positive iTunes review at iTunes, uh, both for Truck About Presents and Truck About if you feel so inclined. Uh, we actually do have a, a review for Truck About Presents, but I don't have it ready, Ooh. so I won't read it. I'm sorry, but we love you. What? I know I'm a terrible person. And we have a Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash truckaboutshow. There are some cool perks there, like special episodes that you only get if you give us $5 a month. And we ha- we recorded the first one, and it's super special. We do. It's ready. I edited it. It's all ready to go. It'll be released uh, the first week of January. So if you're a patron listening to this, look forward to that. Yeah, so it's about our small bladders and you know the issues that we have going to the movies with them. And Truck About Presents is done for now, but oh, it will return when? February 2nd. 2016. Why, Eric, that's Groundhog Day. It is. And you know what we're going to talk about? Is it Groundhog Day? No, it's Ghostbusters. No, it's Groundhog Day. Oh, wow. Okay, so tune into that, everybody. Yeah, and then uh, uh, February 9th, 16th, and 23rd, we are going to talk about... Wait, should we tell them yet? Yes, we should. I think we should. Okay. February 2nd is Groundhog Day, and then that's going to be kind of like, I don't know, not really part of season two of Trek About Presents, but maybe sort of. I don't know. Uh, it's going to be like the webisode. There you go. It'll be a webisode of Trek About Presents. It's going to be uh, Trek About Presents Rogue One. It'll be like our it'll be our it'll be our Groundhog Day special like they do Christmas specials in England. Oh, so we can do it every year. Uh, yeah, but I think we'll have to watch Groundhog Day every year then. We watch it every year anyway. That That's very true. It's one of our favorite movies. And then after Groundhog Day on February 2nd, the second season of Truck About Presents will begin in earnest uh, on February 9th, 16th, and 23rd when we talk about... The earnest movies? The Matrix trilogy. Oh my God! This is something that Richard wanted to do. I wanted to do Star Wars. Richard wanted to do The Matrix. So I think next season I have to choose something. So get ready for that, No, it wasn't that I wanted to do the matrix it's just that that was the first series like anyway do you join us for it yeah so Neo, so look join for, us for the matrix look forward to that i have not seen uh, the matrix I, I think i'm in a similar situation actually with the star wars prequels that i probably saw the matrix sequels once or twice and never again so i saw the matrix when it came out in the theaters and i haven't seen any of the sequels so we're we're in for a time we're in for a time so so thank you very much for listening to truck about presents we will return in about a month and a half. But we also have Truck About. We're in the third season of Deep Space Nine, so please continue listening to that. Goodbye.